Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucette, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. We have a very special guest on this week's episode. Now, a lot of people, uh, when I say the name Barry Carl, may not recognize the name, but I'm guessing if you're, if you're probably around my age, if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, you may recognize the voice, and you've probably seen him before. If you ever remember the TV show, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? He was one of the, the featured singers on that show in the group Rockapella. And uh, we're talking to him, not about that, actually, uh, but about his, his journey in martial arts. So welcome to the show, Barry. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good. Like I said, it's a, it's a nice, uh, sunny Sunday afternoon, sun shining, and you can't really ask for more <laughs> during this, these times of, in our lives. So, actually, I'd be tempted to ask for less because <laughs> I live in the uh, New York area, and it'd be great. You know, it's, it's supposed to get up to around 100 today, um, and I'd like less humidity, please. True. That's yeah. That's it, it's. It, I'm, I'm in Minnesota. Uh, actually, recording this in North Dakota right now, across the river. Yeah, the humidity just the last two weeks has been kind of bad for us. I mean, not as bad as you know, my son. Mm. My son went to school in Florida, and the humidity in Orlando was way worse than this. But this is—it's not not usually quite this bad around here. So I, I think I agree with you yeah, on that one. Yeah, one of my kids went to college in St. Pete, and I, I helped move in in uh, August, I think, and it was oh my God. <laughs> Same exact. We brought we brought him down there in August a couple of years ago, and. I were just walking out of the hotel room the first morning. It's like, I'm covered in sweat. I've been outside for three seconds. <laughs> right. Not fun. Although I've been on the complete opposite. I, I lived in California uh, in uh, the mid-90s. I went out there actually for martial arts. And I lived in the high desert, so I lived in complete dry heat. So I've been on <laughs> complete polar opposites. It was 115 degrees well, and zero humidity. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in native Angelino, and that, that's where my martial arts journey began. Okay. So let me ask you this. What age now did you, did you start as a kid? I did. I was nine. Okay. Was there something, was there like a, a TV show or a movie, something that sparked your interest? Was there a friend that was doing it? What kind of began that interest for you? Uh, actually, it was, it was dire necessity. I, I was a, a kind of a small kid. Really? And um, yeah, uh, until, until I hit 11 and my voice changed and I started to grow. But at nine, I was just, I was, I was a little kid and um, I lived in a kind of a rough neighborhood. And um, I wasn't very well coordinated. You know, I was always like the last kid that got picked for for teams. I couldn't throw well, ran really slow, didn't have great eye-hand coordination. So I was really at the bottom of the pecking order. And in my neighborhood, there were kids that would actually uh, jump me in groups and wow. uh, and and hold me and and beat the crap out of me. I'd go home crying, and and my dad said, well, we're going to get you some self-defense less. And they enrolled me in a judo class, a jiu-jitsu class. Okay. Do you remember who your who your first instructor was? I don't remember his name. Okay. 
I don't, uh, you know, I, there's there's not a whole lot of detail that I remember from from that time in terms of like names. I mean, I don't even remember people I met a month ago. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I remember faces, but right. but not names. How long did you and, stay uh, in that? I was in that probably for about a year and a half to two years. Oh wow! I, and and of it, it wasn't. Um, it didn't serve me too terribly well. It gave me some confidence, which got demolished every time a bunch of kids would jump me in a pack because there was just nothing in the in the early judo training that that would help me in a situation like that. Right. Except for kicking, you know, because I was small and I had no reach. Kids could get in in close with me, and uh, learning learning how to kick really helped me a lot. It gave me a little bit of a, a comfort zone. So they actually taught that in judo. I, I, did, I did judo for a short time when I was younger and and I, I'm sure it differs by school but we, you know, we didn't uh, we didn't do any kicking in, the, in my judo class oh well we did uh, kicking striking and uh, throwing and falling wow nice yeah and it and it all started uh, right about the same time and and needless to say I, I didn't do very well because I was fundamentally uncoordinated and and scared actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those were inhibitory factors that disappeared later, at least after I kind of grew and then grew into my body and uh, became a little more familiar with it. But, but at least it was something. Okay, so interesting. That, yeah, that, that was <laughs> it. <laughs> it didn't. Um, it didn't necessarily protect me. Okay, you know, because the the rules, class rules are so different from, from the street. I, I think that, that a lot of people who get formal martial arts training are disadvantaged in street fights because they, they get used to the, the formality of it. And uh, street fighting is just messy. I mean, I, I, I learned a lot more a lot later. Uh, I, I studied kickboxing for about a decade with a, a WWF champion, and, uh, and he was a grappler. I mean, he was uh, Muay Thai and kind of a whole combination of techniques. But most street fighting ends up on, you end up rolling around. And uh, that was, all the grappling work came in very, very handy at that point. Oh, for sure. And so what age, now after judo, was that, was kickboxing the next that you did? And and how long after that was it? No, actually, what I, what I, what I transitioned to from, from judo was um, Tai Chi. Oh, okay. And I really didn't get the full benefit of the training for a number of years, uh, you know, because the, the way Tai Chi is taught and practiced generally, it's it's very slow, it's contemplative, it's it's I, I think it's a wonderful form. I was very very attached to it, and I didn't really realize the the efficacy of the training until somebody was horsing around with me one day and and pulled a punch on me, and I I went into a warding stance effortlessly, immediately, and without thinking. I don't think a lot of people realize that you know Tai Chi is, is a martial art. Oh no, it's just it's just meditation. It's just exercise. No, it, it's a martial oh, art. Oh no, <laughs> oh no, it is a deadly serious martial. Yes. Uh, I, you know, the, fortunately, I learned uh, the Yang style long form that Cheng Man Ching taught, and there, there, there exists today a, a little piece of film from uh, Japan right after World War II, and, and it shows five big American sailors hanging on Cheng Man Ching. I mean, they they had him. They had him. There was no way that this little guy was going to get out of the grip of these five big meaty sailors in one frame and the next 
next frame, you see all five guys flying in different directions, and he didn't move. I'll have to it find was, that video. <laughs> he said it was the, the, the release of chi. Now, I never got that adept, but he used to say that the, the bones of someone who does Tai Chi uh, practices regularly and seriously actually become heavier and denser because that's where the chi is stored in the body. Okay. In the bones. And I I, uh, I found that to be true. I mean, I never, I never, uh, I didn't practice a lifetime like he did. I wasn't a, a master by any means. But it served me better in terms of fending myself than uh, anything to that point had. Wow. Certainly, certainly more than judo had. I, I, was, I was lucky when it, the, that when I did grow, I got big kind of fast. And, and I was in a, a weight training class. So uh, it, even the odds and... The, so many fewer people uh, picked on me. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> the, the, it helped to be, you know, a, a larger person. I suppose um, that, you know, big big guy it, with a deep voice, you probably started to get intimidating a little easier. <laughs> it was. It was. And I think it saved me because, in you know, my, my inside hadn't caught up to my outside yet. And I was still kind of a, a small, scared kid inside a large body. So uh, I'm glad that wasn't tested very often. I know my first Watching, experience with Tai Chi was actually David Carradine. I didn't know much about Tai Chi, and then I remember reading a book about him. And after after the show Kung Fu, he dove into Tai Chi, and he spent I think twenty twenty some years of his life studying Tai Chi, and released videos on it, and even wrote a book on it. That was my my, yeah, my first yeah, time knowing anything about it's it. Funny. It's a it's a small world. Uh, a very very close friend of mine through through school, a musician named Sharon Benson actually um, worked with David Carradine in a in a band. Oh wow! She, she was she was she was in his band, so I got some of the inside stuff on him and Tai Chi directly from her. Okay. But I've never seen the video you're talking about. Yeah, I know it was. Uh, I remember just seeing it for sale in like Black Belt magazine back in the '90s or something. You know, learning Tai Chi mm-hmm. with David Carradine. I don't know if there's any copies floating around out there or anything. I never saw the video myself, but I just remember seeing the yeah, ad- advertisement no for it. <laughs> I wouldn't know. So now it was this Tai Chi. Was this also in? This was also in California. No, that was in New York. I was, oh, okay. I was in New York by by that time. Like I I left uh, California when I was eighteen and never actually took up residence again. I've been a, a New Yorker since then, and I found a Tai Chi teacher through um, the Reiki community. Oh, okay. Interestingly enough, then Reiki has nothing to do with anything more than maybe spiritual self-defense, but uh, energetic healing. Uh, my uh, my Tai Chi teacher um, was a member of the Reiki community, so that's how I that's how I found it. Now, was this when you were going to college at Juilliard? No, this was post college. Okay, actually, I mean my 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 college self-defense was you know uh, defending myself with a with a French horn case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I don't know if there's a name for that. This was, you could have used opera. Did, you could have used opera for self defense too. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, the opera, you know, the voice will stop people at least maybe for a second. Definitely. But uh, I did. I did once or twice have to to ward somebody off with with an instrument case. Nice. And how long did yeah, you? Did, how long did you do Tai Chi for? I did Tai Chi for fifteen years. Wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great practice. Well, I, it's the kind of thing that I don't think really yields any kind of practical result until it becomes second nature. I mean, uh, one of the, I think one of the biggest problems in self-defense and in many other uh, stress situations is that we all 
tend to devolve to uh, some kind of baseline behavior under stress. And it takes it takes a lot of repetition and application to alter that baseline behavior. You can't do it when you're already activated. You can't do it when there's adrenaline coursing through your body. You can only do that kind of work when your nervous system is downregulated, when you're in a more or less parasympathetic state. It's the only time you can do the work that will change your behavior under stress. So years and years of performing the same uh, movement and in, in concert with the breath and using consciousness actually kind of had this effect on me where, where my, my baseline behavior altered significantly from doing that work. It, it also changed how I worked on stage oh, okay. because what it, what it did was it reversed my baseline behavior. Whereas uh, before doing that work, um, a stress situation would find me um, breathing rapidly and shallowly, uh, releasing a lot of adrenaline and cortisol in my system. I would have so much of so much adrenaline in my system that my whole body would shake. Wow. Uh, which, which led me to believe at that time that I was just a chicken. You know, I, I didn't know that, you know, you shake because there's chemicals in your systems that are activating your body for flight or, or, or fight. So what happened over the years that I was studying Tai Chi was that that flipped. And I became calmer under stress. I, I got almost almost icy, and and the, you know the whole the whole discipline of root, sink, and center that that is central to so many um, martial arts modalities, where where you're where you're digging into the ground and you're going lower into your body and really um, concentrating energy in the hara and the hips and the legs, which is so uh, grounding, which is something that uh, I think. Uh, I personally tended to lose under under pressure. I, I became ungrounded. I got scared, and the the Tai Chi brought me brought me back down to ground. Okay, my my it would slow my heart rate, slow my breathing, slow the uh, release of stress chemicals in my body, and that was very 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 helpful in concert situations. It it didn't matter if I, you know I was walking out to the middle of Soldier Field to sing the anthem for eighty thousand people, or or being on I don't know Jay Leno show on New Year's Eve live. The, you know, these are like pressure situations right. that, that that would formerly have, um, I, I think, gotten me all wired up. But instead, I I started to experience uh, a calmness that really, really helped. So now, when you were, yeah, Which you, yeah now you were with Rockapella for what, you know, fifteen years or so, touring the yeah. world. So yeah. when you were touring nonstop, did you find it hard to, to find the time to practice? I mean, you guys were touring Japan and all over the U.S. Did, did you make sure you found time found time to you know practice? your martial arts or, or was it did you find it a little more difficult oh, well, when you're traveling? It, it, it was yeah i'd like to say oh i always found time but i didn't okay uh there were there were there were days when it was just well you know maybe i can get in a workout maybe i can get in a swim because to to spend a, an unbroken 45 minutes or hour to get through the, the yang long form wasn't always available to me. Okay. So I'd, I'd like to say that that I I was I was regular with the practice, but it by that time I think it had sort of grooved its way into my body. That makes sense. Yeah. And w now, what you also mentioned when we chatted earlier, kickboxing. When did that come about? Was that at the same time as Tai Chi, or did that come after? 
No, that was this is all sequential. Okay. I, I I never did two things at the same time because okay. I never I didn't have the time and I didn't have the money. Okay, that makes um, sense. So uh, kickboxing happened towards. Towards the end of my uh, Rockapella career, I think I started doing that around 1998 or so, 97, 98. Okay, that's when I first met you, actually. First, yeah. first time yeah. I met well, you was I, uh, I just, June of 98 at Big Sing USA in Minnesota was the first time we met. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was heavily into it by then. Okay. And it, and it, it, changed, it changed how I worked out. It changed uh, my body mechanics. It, it changed a lot. Well, it's such uh, a different martial art than what you were used to well not only that but the 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 training for it changed me okay uh fortunately my my teacher was about the same size as me and i mean the same height he had 50 pounds on me and it was all muscle i mean if if he kicked me it was it was over you know i just go down right um i never had the striking power that that he did but when i first started the class he, he was uh he did some of the some of the routines with with hand weights oh okay we, we, we do uh, you know like a lot of punching exercise with hand weights or so like kicking with ankle weights and uh, i think i was trying to impress him because he he offered me a pair of like five pound hand hand weights <laughs> yep and I, I i i kind of poo-pooed him turned up my nose and asked for 10 and he looked <laughs> at me and shrugged and smiled and handed them to me and but... after about 10 minutes with those 10 pound <laughs> weights i was done yeah, that's not easy. I was just done. No, it's not. And and uh, people would people would say, God, what do you do? You you got these like guns. And I said, five pounds. <laughs> yep. You ever seen the videos of Mike Tyson doing that with I think fifty or hundred pound weights? <laughs> Went back when no. he when he was in his prime. I, wa- I remember watching one of his training videos. I'm like, because I was the same thing. We used to do like we actually do bricks. We'd do like patio bricks for punches in one of my martial arts classes instead of weights. But same same idea. And someone showed me the uh-huh. video of Mike Tyson with like fifty pound weights. I'm like, yeah, I don't think. <laughs> no, I'm not built that way. Uh, I never had that kind of muscle. It was very interesting, though, to to see the kind of results that I could get with five pounds, and uh, it sort of prepared me for for you know the the alterations that I would later make in my workout patterns as my body age. Five pounds is plenty. I agree completely, one hundred percent. Hundred strikes with five pounds. Exactly. So now you're you're a parent. Now have your kids got involved in martial arts at all? No, they haven't. I I did some basic self defense stuff with them. You know, I I, I have two girls. Right. And uh, it was important to me that that they be able to uh, defend themselves as needed. If, if if I wasn't there or somebody wasn't there, yep. And uh, my 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 oldest daughter, who's uh, special needs, actually uh, acquired a stalker at one wow. point. That's scary. Yeah, yeah, it was scary because because the guy was six uh, eight, about two eighty, and uh, my daughter is you know five six five seven maybe 125 pounds wow and i i i worried i worried it was it was uh the one time in my life when uh, i called up a the retired cop friend of mine and said i'm coming over for coffee and i'm thinking of buying a gun and i want you to talk me out of it wow yeah so that was that was that was a little bit ugly this probably gets a little bit off the martial arts track i uh, but i did i did apply myself to that and eventually got the guy locked up that's good well i mean that's that worked then obviously so 
Yeah, maybe that's lawjutsu or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> but it's, 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 perspicacity is an important element in self-defense, I think. You know, keep, keep an it, whatever it is. Let me ask you this. If a, a friend approached you and said, hey, I'm thinking about getting in, into martial arts, and I know you've done it, what type of advice would you give them? What, what are some tips you'd give them or maybe some things to, to look for, to watch out for in, in searching for a martial arts school or instructor? Well, that's a big question. I think it would depend on on the person, their age, their size, their physical shape. I think that, that karate has grown tremendously in, in the last several decades, just in terms of, of interest. And I, I, it's been my observation that there's some very, very qualified teachers. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot, and there are a lot who shouldn't be teaching. Exactly. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, injury, even death, in uh, martial arts classes, particularly karate classes. I, I, I wonder sometimes that, that our, our culture isn't well suited to the kind of student-teacher relationship that I think fosters a, a healthy, and what's the right word, you know, a healthy outlook. Mm-hmm. Is I've, I've I've seen highly trained people um, in dojos become uh, way more aggressive than they needed to be on, under certain conditions, which to me is a lack of control. Yes, uh, I, I had a friend uh, who, whose jaw was broken during a black belt exam. Oh wow! Uh, because you know he had to he had to fight all the black belts in the dojo, and some of them just they just wanted to own him. They were they weren't into fighting they were into dominating um and to me that's a flaw that's a that's a training flaw yeah a bad instructor or something usually <laughs> right right so I, I would i would urge a person probably to try different things find something that felt that adapted well to their particular body and then to find an instructor who was qualified to teach them it seems like anybody can hang out a shingle right there's you know, there's fight clubs everywhere. There are dojos everywhere. And a lot of them have, I mean, they even start with like aggressive names, you know, Screaming Skull Eagle Blood Dojo. <laughs> yep. I would probably, I would probably avoid. Well, and unfortunately there's um, no, you know, there's no governing body for, I mean, each art no. has their own, but there's no like oversight committee saying you're a legitimate instructor, you're a legitimate instructor. And, and it's, I think it would be impossible for something like that to exist. I mean, one bad example, not a bad example, but when I lived in California, there was a local school, and I do the air quotes with that one, that it, it turned out he had been in business about a year and someone discovered that he had never had a day of training in his life. The guy running the school, he had ordered online, or not online, but ordered like VHS training tapes. And the day before the class, he'd watch the training tape and then go out and teach that same technique. And he was charging people <laughs> for these lessons that he had no idea what he was doing and got away with it for a year before he was discovered. It's sad. <laughs> wow. Wow. And what, and, and I can't imagine what happened to people within that year. Exactly. And there's no, it's, it's, other than fraud, there's no real legal ramification. I mean, as far as I know, he probably just <laughs> took the money and run and got away with it and probably did it somewhere else. I mean, now, nowadays, yeah, you, well, you know, well, online, you'd get Facebook shamed and everyone would know who you were and you'd never open another school. But <laughs> back then that wasn't a thing. <laughs> right. Right. So anybody could call themselves anything. And I think they still do. Yeah. I think they still do. I mean, uh, um, my experience of dojo culture is um, closed ranks, you know, circle the wagons. There's there's a lot of misplaced feeling, you know, like protect the honor of the dojo, protect the teacher, 
when they don't deserve it. True. Or even even when they don't deserve it. Uh, so so I think they're probably it's a lot. It's a lot like people who get suckered in by by a particular kind of of uh, guru. And, and I'm, I'm not I'm not slamming gurus. I'm not slamming religion here. It's right. just that there's there's a lot of malfeasance. Oh yeah, like a cult leader or a con, yeah. a con man. Yeah. Right, and and I think dojos or training facilities generally mm-hmm. are, are are not uniquely susceptible, but they are susceptible to a cult mentality. Yeah, I've witnessed that or, myself. You know, so yes. <laughs> There's a certain amount of regimentation. There's a certain amount of honoring the teacher uh, and following directions immediately and without question that are part of the culture. And it it can go in two directions. And one of them disempowers the student and makes complaining highly unlikely. And sometimes it's needed. Agreed. So is there, in, in all your years of martial arts, is there like a one or two specific philosophies you've learned that uh, you kind of hold on to or kind of use in your everyday life that uh, stand out? Well, you know, I've used, I've used a lot of martial arts principles in my work as a singer. Uh, the, um, the groundedness, you know, that whole idea of root, sink and center mm-hmm. is uh, kind of central to uh any kind of uh, energetic work that involves the body. Because if you're not grounded and you're not breathing, you're basically not in your body. Right. You're kind of floating around somewhere, but you're not really embodied. And so to, to, be, to be really present, to have uh, your fully functioning um, mental capacities, breathing and grounding, I think, are vital. You know, one of the, one of the sad things about um, survival mode is that to fight or flee, the body actually robs blood and therefore oxygen from the brain and sends it to the muscles because you need you need the power to fight or flee more than you need to think. But what that does is it robs you of a significant portion of your ability to think right when you need it the most. So staying present, staying grounded uh, actually helps restore mental function, which you may need more than the other two, especially if a situation in which you're physically threatened seems to be escalating. And, you know, there's, there's almost always a window in situations, not always, but, you know, almost right. always there's, there's, this, there's this moment, there's a small window where de-escalation is possible. And I think the best martial arts trainings involve that because the object isn't in martial arts, at least the way I've understood it all my life, isn't to be able to fight your way out of any situation, but to have enough self-possession so that you don't have to. Exactly. And I don't think that 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 part of the training gets enough play in a lot of um, situations, a lot of schools. The concentration is on fighting rather than how you carry yourself in the world. The, the, the dojos and training facilities that I respect are those in which the teacher holds the principle of nonviolence above violence and teaches, teaches self-control and self-possession as part of the discipline. That's a great answer. I like that a lot. So just a few, a few fun questions kind of to wrap things up here. And the first one is just more of a kind of an opinion. I was kind of curious your thoughts. Do you, are you a fan of MMA and the UFC? Is that something you enjoy? Is it a guilty pleasure or do you, do you not watch that at all? Oh, I do. I do watch. Sometimes it's comedy. 
you know, because some, some of the matchups are ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, there's some very, very serious athleticism and amazing fighting in, you know, cage matches. It, it almost always gets my adrenaline going. I can't help that. But it, it does interest me. Do you have a favorite martial arts book that you that you enjoy reading or ha- have read or recommend to people? Well, there's there's the um, the book that was written. I, I don't know if it was by Cheng Menching about the about Tai Chi and 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 the Yang style long form, but I I do enjoy that one. I I, I if I could find it on my shelf without you know wasting your time, I would. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, it, if you send me send me the name and I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes for people. So. I'll see if I can find it because um, it talks about the philosophy a lot. Okay, um, you know as as well as the form, um, uh, and I I think that that's that's really an just such an important piece. I think anybody who who delves into martial arts without going into the philosophy is uh, I won't say dangerous, but they don't have the foundation that they would have with the, if they had the philosophy along with the training. Right. Okay. And then, do you have a favorite martial arts TV show and or movie? Oh, you know, I'm a real sucker for um, the original Karate Kid. Oh, it's my all time favorite. <laughs> It is my. It is one of my all-time favorite movies. That's actually the movie that got me into martial arts. So I'm sure it got a lot of people in. I watch it three or four times a year. So yeah, I mean, when it's on, I'll watch it. It's um, it, it because par- partly is because it did such a good job uh, around the philosophical basis, and I, I think that in, in some ways it's like a a morality play. Because the kid who won had that foundation, you know, where the Ralph Macchio character mm-hmm. had that philosophical foundation. He got he got it along with the training. It was part of it. It wasn't just about winning. It was about your internal state. Right. I think that's forgotten yeah. sometimes. Have you watched the new Cobra Kai yet? Have you seen that new show? No, I haven't. I said... Part part of my self protection these days is I don't have cable TV, so I, I'm I'm uh, unless unless it's on Netflix or you know Amazon Prime or something like that, I probably haven't seen it. And I think I want to say it's coming to Netflix. I thought I just read that recently that it's that season three is going to be on Netflix and they're going to be putting season one and two on there. So if you get a chance, if you if you're a f- love the original as much as I did. I think you will really like Cobra Kai. <laughs> it's it's a great show. <laughs> well, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. So there's, there's probably some binge watching in my future. Well, there you go. I know. I think I watched the, the yeah. season one in one day and season two in like a day and a half. So it, uh, they're enjoying uh-huh. And it's, it's fun seeing the original characters and stuff, too, that is still in there. And I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm predicting we'll see Allie make a comeback in, in season three. I don't know. I just I kind of have that feeling the way the cliffhanger left off. So. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. I, I won't give it away. I won't give it away. <laughs> but you'll, you'll, trust me. You'll have to talk to me after you watch it because I'd love to get your opinion on it. But, I will. But I just want to thank you for I taking will. the time and doing this. This has been really enjoyable. Like I said I, we, we've talked many times in the past, and usually it's been about acapella music or voiceover. It was kind of kind of fun to chat uh, chat martial arts a little bit and and uh, hey learned a lot about yeah, it. Another <laughs> another level to our relationship. How cool there, is that? There we go. There we go. But I, I, I truly appreciate it. And like I said, send me the, the name of that uh, book and I'll find a link for it and put it in the show notes for people to, to promote that a little bit. And if you have a okay. per- personal website you want me to promote anything you know, for your voiceover stuff, you know, I can link that one too. But. Well, thank you. I don't have a website anymore because okay. I don't want web traffic. <laughs> well, there so you thank go. Thank you. 
<laughs> but no, seriously, I, I truly appreciate it. It's, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Barry. You too, Brian. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.